Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. introduce you to today's amazing guest, let me remind you that my Instagram stories challenge starts in one week from now. So who is this for? Well, I remember when I was first using social media and I would spend way too much time trying to figure out what on earth to post. I got very stuck in indecision not to mention the overwhelm. And I was terrified of filming myself on my Instagram stories. Wind forward to now and Instagram stories are one of the biggest drivers of income into my business. So I want you to know how you can use Instagram stories too in a way that you feel really clear about, really confident about, and that actually brings dollars in the door. So I'm running a free five-day Instagram stories challenge, and we start on the 1st of September. So if you haven't already, make sure that you register and then you can access each of the daily tasks. It's going to be fun and you're going to learn a lot. So you'll find a link under this podcast. Just scroll down there and you'll find it. Click on that. It'll take you to a page and you just need to enter in your name and your email address. Otherwise, you can come find the link in my Instagram bio. I'm on Instagram at Emily Osmond. I'd also just love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if you listen to the show. Okay, once you've done that, you are all set to go. And I cannot wait to share this fun and super educational challenge with you. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. So what do you do when you've created a business that you just don't really love anymore? And what if you've already built a brand and a community around it? Should you keep on going or should you quit and start on over again? Well, today's guest is answering these questions because she's been through this multiple times herself and has come out on the other side. Carolee Fontanelli, she dropped out of high school. She married young and became a mum in her early 20s. She worked in her husband's business where she grew it to a successful multi-location business thanks to her love and her skills in marketing. But the marriage sadly didn't last and Carolee was left with very little on the other side of divorce. History actually repeated itself, but this time, instead of being left with very little, after her second marriage ended, she was left with half a million dollars in debt in the business for her to sort out. What Carolee did next is an example of the power of determination, of being clear on your vision and getting creative when it comes to the solution. Now, Carolee has created multiple million dollar businesses, authored three books, and she helps women from all over the world to create an unstoppable personal brand and business. I cannot wait for you to meet Carolee. Let's bring her on. 
Carolee, first of all, welcome. Thank you. So good to chat with you. We've only just connected in the last, what would it be, like a week or two, really. But after seeing each other online and now I adore speaking all things business with you. So for those that don't know you, can you please tell everyone who are you? So my name is Carolee Fontanelli and I live in Queensland on the Gold Coast. I'm originally from New Zealand and I've been here for nearly 17 years, actually at the end of this month. And I am a family lawyer and have a fairly large size family law practice on the Gold Coast um, and Brisbane, actually. We've got offices there as well. Uh, And I also have an online business and I also am an author of cookbooks. So I've done all kinds of things. And that's why I'm just so excited to speak with you today, because I think there is a belief that once we choose something that we're going to do, we have to just stick with it. And I think it's just great how you over the years, because you've been in business like a long time now, and how over the years you've kind of experienced and tried different things. And each of those have been pretty successful. But I love the fact that when things no longer felt fun or exciting or or the thing that felt right to you that you were okay to then look at okay what is next so I'm excited to chat about that today I do want to ask you before we get into it as I like to ask all of my guests what are you either listening to or reading or watching right now I'm always listening to podcasts um I have you know say five or so that are on rotate all of the time. So, and they're always business podcasts and I love um, online business. So a lot of them are your standard, you know, Amy Porterfield, Rick Mulready, um, James Wedmore. I love listening to him. I love him, how he's sort of business and a little bit like into manifesting and woo-woo stuff. Uh, I love Screw to 9 to 5 because they're just so funny, those two, and have a really good chemistry. And I love listening to your podcast too. Aw, thank you. That's lovely. And you actually launched your podcast and we'll get to that. We'll get to that a little bit. All right. So if we wind back the, the clock, Could you explain or take us through what your first foray into business looks like? Have you always been someone that knew they wanted to be working for themselves? I actually left school when I was 16. uh, And because of that, I really didn't have a lot of direction. And I'm 40 now or 41. So I'm, you know, I've been around for a while now. And then I had a child when I was, I got married and had a baby when I was only 22. And I started a business with my then husband and he was an optometrist and we started an optometry practice, which is really retail business uh, in New Zealand and Auckland. And it was really, really successful. And we started a second one and I worked in the second one and I really took to the marketing. So I loved the marketing. um, And back then, I'm talking about like 2001, back then marketing was totally different. So we did newspaper ads and we did yellow pages and we did supermarket dockets on the back of supermarket dockets. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we had no website. There was no website. It wasn't even really an option. So yeah, it was really different back then. And I just knew back then that it was a numbers game and we had to get people in for an eye test because then there'd be a certain amount of people who would convert into needing glasses and needing frames and lenses. And so I just knew it was a numbers game. And um, my sort of mission was to get people in to the business for an eye test. And so, yeah, and I just loved that. 
Yeah, so that was sort of my first introduction into business. And then we moved to the Gold Coast uh, when I was 25. And soon after, about a couple of years after, I went through a divorce and ended up without a business and without a career really. And I just felt really lost and I felt really sad that I had worked so hard on someone else's business. And also when you go through um, a separation and divorce, you know, and you're not the person who's earning money, you can be quite disempowered financially. So what happened there? Like, where were you left after the divorce? What did that actually look like for you? I was 27. I was fairly uneducated. I had two little kids. So they were like five and two or three. And what it looked like was that I felt like I didn't have very many options. And I felt like I couldn't afford to get a solicitor to help me. And I felt really intimidated as to getting that legal help. Like how much will it cost? Like I had all these worries. I did actually go and see a solicitor for a initial appointment and she told me that what I was entitled to and she told me lots of things about my matter and gave me good legal advice, but she didn't talk to me about costs. And I was like very scared about the costs. And we had property and businesses and all sorts of things at that point because we'd done really well, which I'd been a big part of. Because I felt really disempowered, I got handed consent orders, which is how we finalize thing property matters. Um, I got handed consent orders and I felt like I had no other choice but to sign them and just get on with my life. So that's sort of what happened. But after a year or two, when I started to feel sort of stronger again, I really regretted my decision of not really looking after myself financially and also regretted having not looked after my own career. So what did you do once, once I guess that finalized? Did you go and get a job? You can't get any support here from the government if you're a New Zealand citizen. And so I went and started my own business. Oh my God. Um, helping small businesses um, do marketing. So I joined a BNI, and another one of the things that I did was I created a little print magazine called Get Local, and oh it was like God. a little. I know this is like back in 2006. So again, Amazing. like before social media and before you know. So I created this little print magazine and it was like the size of a DL poster or postcard type of thing. And it was just full of like different businesses marketing. So think of like a DL flyer. It was like that, but it was say 20 pages or 30 pages and it was called Get Local. And I would go around and sell a page to different businesses in that local area. But I really like didn't have much idea about business like I was flopping around a little bit but I was doing it quite successfully I was selling the pages and then I would get a mailbox um, distributor to distribute them around to like you know 20,000 homes I got a salesperson and then I was also helping small businesses with their marketing so I sort of started this business and then on that journey like within 12 months I met a guy through a B&I group he needed help with his marketing. So I went along and helped him with his marketing and he had a little law firm. He'd just started like a year before and it was just him working in the law practice and he had no idea about marketing. So I was in there helping him and we ended up together. Then I sort of started working in his business 
as his marketing person and started not helping all the other clients. And then I started like dropping off my flyer, like not producing that anymore. And then one day I woke up and I thought, oh my God, Carly, you are doing exactly the same thing. History is repeating itself. Yes, you're now like working for another man creating wealth in his business and building his business. You're crazy. And like literally I woke up one morning, like I feel like it was a smack on my head. It was like, you cannot do this. And so I woke up and I said, I'm going to go to uni and become a lawyer. That's the only way that I'm going to work in this practice. That is amazing. (laughs) I know. And because I had sort of had this divorce experience and like so much of what we do in our lives it comes from our experiences, right? Like that's where our passions come from. And because I'd gone through this experience and I had now sort of had time to reflect on it, I was like, I'm going to uni and I'm going to be a divorce lawyer and I'm going to be a different type of divorce lawyer. Like I'm going to be someone who can really support and help people. And I just sort of set out on this mission to do that. And it's like the, to give the support and the guidance that you never received. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so I went to uni and it was hard because I had a lot of limiting beliefs about my education. I came from a really small town in New Zealand. No one went to uni and I hadn't finished school. So I had a lot of beliefs that I wasn't smart enough and couldn't do it and wasn't going to make it. And, you know, and by now I'd kind of like flicked around quite a bit in terms of what my jobs were and things like that and so I just sort of had a lot of limiting beliefs that I wouldn't be able to stick at anything and it would be too hard and anyway I got to about 17 subjects in and I used to like highlight all the subjects I had to do 32 had to highlight them all and I got to about 17 and I just pulled out this piece of paper one day and I went stop like beating yourself up you can do it you're doing it so just keep going so Um, yeah that was me going to uni and why I wanted to ask why did you drop out of school was that based on your family was that kind of the thing um, I'm from Whangarei which is a little town two hours north of Auckland it's fairly low socioeconomic area I suppose not maybe so much now but when I grew up and you know there wasn't really any ambition to go to uni or to have a career as such it was never something spoken about in our my family there was just no expectations really I initially dropped out and did hairdressing and beauty therapy and stuff like that for uh, the first couple of years and just floated around here and there, different jobs. And just with no, when you have no direction like that, it's, it's can be really hard to find your thing. It was really just a cultural thing maybe. Now, I know, Carolee, that when you, you finished your law degree and you, you partnered up with your then partner and, you know, the, the firm was running, it wasn't all happy endings. As I said before, I started working in his business. He was a solo practitioner and he was doing lots of different areas of law. So there was conveyancing and some leasing and some, you know, whatever work would come in the door, he would sort of take on. I didn't know this initially, but I mean, I soon sort of realized is that he wasn't very good in terms of um, taking care of like the business side of things. And it turned out that there was a lot of debt. 
behind the scenes and um my uni years I was working in the firm and I was trying like trying to keep our head above water financially um, because there was so much debt and by the time I finished uni and he wouldn't let me take control of the like finances and when it's someone else's business you can only do so much because they're in the driver's seat right same with when you you're a business coach for someone you can only help them with so much there's things that they have to actually want to do and when it came to the way that the accounts were run there was only so much that I could do there was only so much that the accountant could do and it just got worse and worse and worse and the debt by 2012 was significant like significant like half a million dollars significant so at that point in time I was now married to him and you know struggling in this business and I was finishing uni and I was thinking oh my god like I'm gonna end up in this in this business where I'm like earning fees and all the money's just being sunk into this endless bottomless pit of owing money all the time and it's horrible when you're in that situation the phone is ringing because people are wanting bills paid you get served documents because people want bills paid like it gets pretty bad when you get to that point there's no id phone number calls coming to your phone all the time and none of this debt was in my name it was all in his name and in the at that stage in law you couldn't become a company you could you could only be in partnership or under your sole name so it's it's pretty bad situation to be in so what ended up happening so what ended up happening was that he wanted to pursue a passion of his in a different career so he left the firm and went and pursued a different career and that gave me the opportunity well it left me with this business so I sort of had this you could probably say dud business it was still in debt at that point too massively like worse than ever Uh, and because I was married and you know like it's your family and all of that kind of thing I just wanted to work it out and make it work and so because he was now out of the driver's seat and kind of left and just went, I'll just leave it with you. And literally left and said, I'll leave it with you. I was able to do things and make decisions and start implementing ways of paying off the debt and all that kind of thing. So what I actually did was I changed the premises because it was like a suburban practice. So I moved into the center of the Gold Coast, decided to only practice family law. So, and you know, one of the things that is really tricky in business is sometimes you have an income revenue and it's an income revenue, but it's not profitable. And so for example, we had an income revenue, which was conveyancing. And we were doing, say, around $20,000 a month conveyancing, but there was no profit from that. So it's just, you're just turning money over, but you're not actually getting ahead. And so at some point I actually decided to cut the $20,000 a month, which sounds like crazy, right? And it feels really scary because that's $20,000 a month you're not gonna get anymore. But I just went, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're just going to focus on family law. That's all we're going to do. And I cut the $20,000 a month. And that was amazing. Because then it gives you room to focus on what your real focus is. That's the thing. And like, I I think when we've got these different areas in the business, it kind of 
can just slow us down and hold us back. And it takes the energy to focus on all those different things. Whereas if we can pick kind of, right, this is what I want to really drive forward and we can remove all the other things that are happening. It just, it, like I said, it gives us that space to actually make it a lot more successful Because I know that you then absolutely turned the business around. Yes, I did. So the first thing was, was that when you're a junior lawyer, so I was, I just was admitted as a lawyer in 2012 when he left the firm. So I didn't have anyone supervising me and I desperately wanted to be a family lawyer. So I actually employed a, our first lawyer in six years that the business had been open. We employed a lawyer. I employed a family lawyer who could supervise me. So my main job was I want to get work in the door and get this these debts paid down. So that's what I did. I just chipped away. And, you know, at that time, there were people like trying to sue, sue him, sue the business. You know, there was lots of money owed everywhere. And some people were happy to go into, you can only make money go so far, right, when you only have so much. And so um, some people wouldn't go into payment plans with me. Like I'd try and negotiate a payment plan to get something on track so that I could spread the money that we had every month coming into the practice across all of the debt and ongoing expenses so that you weren't going to keep going into debt. Um, And so I actually just put myself in payment plans. So even if people didn't agree um, with it, like they said, no, I want that $5,000 today. Um, I would just start like every month chipping away and paying what I could and consistently. And then people were okay with that and they let you do that. And so I just literally had a list of all the money owed every single month on the first of the month, I would print off a new list of every payment I was going to make that month. And I would highlight it with my highlighter pen when I'd paid it. And I just did that every month consistently while get while getting my marketing strategies in place and getting work in the door. And then, you know, I started to grow the business. I employed another solicitor. I, you know, started getting more work in the door and I was just setting really firm goals all the way along. And once that debt was paid off, like which took a few years, but it was well worth it. I just... At the time, sometimes I was feeling quite resentful about it. And I would just think you would owe money if you'd purchased a business. So just think of it like that. So what do you put down to actually attracting clients and to the growth that you managed to achieve? A couple of things. So, I mean, now with modern marketing, it's not letterbox dropping. And honestly, like when I first started in the practice, it was 2008 And really by 2012, like if you didn't have a website by 2012, you were kind of getting a little bit behind, right? But remember, law firms are quite old fashioned and a lot of law firms are still really old fashioned. Uh, So, you know, we had yellow pages, we had still newspaper ads, maybe local magazine ads, things like that, radio advertising. So I did all those types of things throughout 2008 upwards 2012 and then really started focusing on um, my personal brand like my profile around town so being a bricks and mortar business where you're serving the local community uh, you know you want to be the go-to person so 
I joined a BNI. That was one of the things that I did. Went to lots of networking events. And then once I started to be able to afford to do so, I started sponsoring networking events. So we sponsor a few events around the Gold Coast and Brisbane. And on that side of things, in terms of personal branding and building your profile in person, um, I used that avenue to invite people to the event. So we pay for the table, we invite them along to the event, like so a lunch or a breakfast. And then you, uh, you're constantly every month reaching out to people, inviting them to something nice and getting to know people when they're getting to know you. Uh, so we've built like a lot of the business and local referral network that way. And that takes a lot of courage initially because you know, I'm the sort of networker that I'll go into a room and feel awkward and sort of go and sort of speak to someone I know. That's so interesting because I wouldn't have thought that about you. You've got to actually be really intentional and know that, you know, to expand your network and be known, you do have to put yourself out there. I want to know, I want you to just explain what the business looks like now, these years later. And then I want to get into where the cookbooks came from. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So the business now, we've now got office an office in Brisbane and the off, an office in the Gold Coast. I've got a team of 14. We've got seven solicitors. And this year, our turnover was more than $2 million. So I was very excited about that because that was my goal for this year. Yeah. So that's where we're at now. And can you um, say the name? Uh, collective Family Law Group. We are. Yeah, so I changed the name because the name was, like a lot of law firms, the name was our surname, which, you know, it was no longer my surname and I think it's very old-fashioned. My law practice is most certainly not about me only and I really want it to be, you know, about our clients and about our team and about the service that we provide. So choosing a name that wasn't my name was really important to me. So we made that change, um, which is, you know, it's a big job and change to do that. But we ran a really clever radio campaign where I said that I had got been through a divorce and my name had changed. So the business name needed to change and we were on the hunt for a new name. So we ran these ads for like a few months and sort of did a series. So everyone knew that it was happening. That is yeah, so it was fun. cool. <laughs> Oh, I love how you have these amazing ideas. All right. So then you've got, you've got the uh, law practice that's up and ticking. You mentioned right at the start, you've published some cookbooks, some recipe books. So where on earth did they come from? Yeah. So I've been kind of living these, this parallel life, I guess you could say, where I've got this law practice, but then I also have these cookbooks, which is a totally separate business. So that's called Real Food Pledge. I started a food blog in 2012, which was all around cutting out processed food. I have a love and passion for cooking and that just kind of developed into something you know fairly big kind of quite organically and then I created I went to a blogging pro blogger which is the event for bloggers yes it was so much fun it was on the Gold Coast I mean that we're lucky because there's so many great events here naturally yeah it was so fabulous but they talked about an opt-in and I'm like and a mailing list and I'm like and I'd been back then really focusing on growing my Facebook which, I mean, it's not even a thing now having like your a, a business Facebook page. I mean, we have them. We don't do a lot with them. We don't do a lot with them because 
people aren't organically seeing you. Uh, but back then in 2012, people were organically seeing you. So I grew my Facebook page to like 55,000 people. But then I was like, they were saying, oh, well, you need to get people off that and into a mailing list. So I was like, well, what about, what's all this mailing list thing about? And you need an opt-in. So I created a PDF like with some real food recipes. And then I was like, oh, I need nice photos. So I got a food photographer and then, uh, and she was amazing. And we did this amazing book together and it was so beautiful. I was like, we have to print this. We can't just yes. as an opt-in. And it kind of grew a little bit bigger. And then, um, and then I ended up, my book ended up going to New Zealand to a bookstore and the bookstore owner loved it so much because it had sold so well that they gave it to a distributor and said, we really need you to stock this book. So they stopped the book and I've sold like 20,000 copies of that book. Oh my Which is amazing. Gosh. So from there, like I, while I was running the practice as well, I was going to New Zealand and doing food shows and doing some you know, cooking demonstrations and on stage type of things. And that sort of side of the business has really taught me a lot about PR, online marketing. And I've also, you know, taken a lot of skills and knowledge from that into my law practice, which is a much more traditional bricks and mortar. So a lot of people, for example, in a law firm aren't doing, say, a opt-in Whereas we are, we've got a funnel with an opt-in and and we get clients that way as well. So yeah, we just sort of do things a little bit differently because I'm using more of the modern marketing, like what you teach in my bricks and mortar as well as online. And I love it. And it's just so, that's kind of what I talk about. You know, you can turn these more traditional heritage businesses into these really, like you can apply the modern marketing strategies and the principles to them like it still absolutely works and you have such an opportunity when you are in the more traditional space to create something that's fresh and inviting and engaging and connects with people so that that's really really cool i think that we've got so much opportunity in in that regard and you know for me i was running my real food pledge and loving it loving the blogging loving the whole growing your mailing list and you know sending out emails regularly and getting people into your funnel and doing uh social media all of that type of thing i really enjoyed it and for a long time probably up until say 2017 or 18 i was really struggling with how to apply that in my law practice in my bricks and mortar. And so before I said I was out networking and doing a lot of like on the ground kind of marketing, in-person marketing, it's totally possible to apply that more modern way of marketing into a older style business. So now you've actually kind of left behind the healthy food side of your brand can you talk us through why that is? What kind of realization did you have? So with my healthy food side of things, so I've now got three cookbooks with that. And with that, I really loved all the online stuff, like I said before. And in around 2016, I tried to create a membership and it was before, well, it wasn't before things like Kajabi, for example, but it was before I knew about those things. And so I was trying to do it the hard way and trying to sort of work around it. And, you know, even five years ago, there was just so much less information about these things. It was hard to find things. 
Anyway, I always knew that I really wanted to create an online business because I love all of the online marketing and, and tech and all of that sort of thing. And I tried with this, but I really found it hard to have a vision around it, you could say. And you know when you, you want to create something, but you just don't have the vision I for do. some reason? I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I've applied, you know, a lot of what I've learned, like I said before, into my law firm. And I created an online um, course for people going through divorce and separation because there's 70% of people who go through divorce and separation who don't retain a lawyer. And I totally understand that being through it myself and being um, having gone through it when I wasn't a lawyer. It's really intimidating. And of course, it costs a lot of money and it's much easier if you can resolve things without needing a lawyer. But you do need direction still and you need something more than Google or Bob next door who's been through a divorce himself. So I sort of like tried to create something with the Real Food Pledge and I just wasn't really getting it. And then I created my online divorce course, which is attached to uh, collective family law. And I've just always known that I want to be in this space, in this um, online space in more of a way. And last year I went to America and joined a mastermind. I joined Rick Mulready's mastermind, if you've ever heard of him, all around online courses, because I'd now created an online course for Real Food Pledge and cutting out processed food. And that was going really, really well. Uh, and I created a little membership as well. And that was also going really well. But I was feeling like I wasn't in alignment. And, you know, I was sort of, I had a business coach and and only sometimes you can work these things out. Isn't it annoying? It's like, tell me what to do. <laughs> yes, tell me. Like I had a business coach and I'm like, tell me what I'm like, tell me what I'm meant to be doing. Like, I just don't know what I, and I said to her, you know what it's like? I feel like I'm like a blind person and I'm walking around and there's like a hole and it's my hole that I'm meant to slip into, but I'm just not feeling it. Like I just can't find this little hole that I'm meant to fit into because you're just not quite feeling like it's right for some reason. And then I did another course earlier this year. And in that course, we went right back to the basics, which I've done lots of times because I've done lots of different business courses and development courses. And, you know, when you go back to those basics and you redo it, and I think it is really important to redo and go back to those basics, you know, like what your purpose is, what your passions are, because over time things change. You're not the same person that you were five years ago or even sometimes two years ago. It's so important to go back regularly and check in with, okay, what's the vision? What are the goals? All that type of thing. All of it, because you just, you know, you, we do evolve over time and we change. And I was looking at, okay, I really want to do an on, I really want to be in this online space because I love it so much. But I just don't feel like maybe the food stuff is the right thing. And with divorce, you know, I'm talking about that all day in my work. And, you know, the other thing I was sort of with divorce was that you're building a mailing list, right? But then that client is only needing you for such a short time. And so I'm like, you know, what are you investing in if you're, you know, so I sort of was going through all of this thought process myself and sort of really 
going, what are you doing? And the other thing too, is that I've invested so much time in my books and I actually only produced a book last year because I got invited to do what's called Dancing CEO, which is where you uh, there's 15 CEOs, you dance on stage like it's this big funky Amazing. dance show. Um, and you raise money for women's legal service, which is for domestic violence. And you, it fits in really well in, with our law firm and my branding. So I was like, yes, I'm all in. I'd love to raise the money for that. And you've got to raise $20,000. And so I was like, and you know what? I can make another book. My distributor had said, oh, when are you going to do another book? Your books are so good. You know, so I'd kind of had that little push there. And then I was like, well, I can do a book for Dancing CEO and all the profits can go to the Dancing CEO and women in need, um, women and children in need for domestic violence. So that's how I came about the third book, Nourishing You, which came out during COVID, which was completely inconvenient because I couldn't travel or do a big book launch or and then Dancing CEO got cancelled and all or put off until next year. So I'm still fundraising. And this week I've had two lots of people buy like 10 copies each to give away for gifts and stuff, which is so perfect. Um, and it's in bookstores and, you know, so it's still all really good, but just not as good as it could have been if we didn't have COVID. Absolutely. But, I mean, we're all in that boat, aren't we? When you were in that space where you're like, you've kind of already created quite a bit and it's not that it's not working. Yeah. And it's this is the thing. It was working, but it wasn't working for me. I really went back to those basics. I really wanted to create and had created a membership. And with a membership, you have to talk about it all the time. With a membership, you're looking for longer term results. So I was really thinking, well, do you really want to be talking about this topic on an ongoing basis? And I did all of this work. And I did a whole lot of journaling for about a month of really getting down into my heart and soul as to what it is. And I realized that because I had spent so much effort and time since 2012 and three books and I've grown this brand, I realized that the reason I wanted to keep plugging away at it isn't because I'm aligned and super passionate about it anymore. I realized it's because I've spent all this time and effort and it was like sad to let it go. And probably a bit scary and a bit like, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. But like I said to you before about the conveyancing in our law practice, when you I let go of the conveyancing, it was like $20,000 a month. But then straight away, it was like replaced by family law because you've got the focus. Sometimes you just have to let go in your life. You have to let go of something. So what did that look like for you? Because I know this has been quite recent. Well, I can probably tell you in a year's time of what that <laughs> really looks like because I'm sort of a little bit still in it right now. It's a bit messy, to be honest, because it's, uh, it's hard to fully get your messaging out when you're still stuck on something a little bit from the past. And I'm still in amongst raising funds for the Dancing CEO and still in amongst my book being launched, which is only like the first year. And so I'm still really like in the zone of pivoting, I suppose. In the transition stage. Yeah. But it's so helpful for people to hear this. It's not like, oh yeah, I did it and it was perfect. And it's like, I'm doing it right now. So what are the things that you're doing? Well, the first thing is, is that I made a decision about what direction I really want to go in. And the funniest thing is, is that, 
you know, you ask the people around you and you ask your business coaches and you ask people. And I've been asking, like, what is it? What? Where is my space? What am I meant to be doing? And it's funny because the minute I made a decision, literally I got two coaching clients come to me and want to work with me. Mm. And the decision is, is that I really want to teach people how to um, become unstoppable in their businesses and do what I've done in terms of, you know, creating a mindset and life through your personal brand and, um, and business. And that's like you said, you know, and I, I know you said this to me just recently, it was like you were building this business kind of around the food, but you realized the thing that you actually loved the most and were obsessed with was the business side of it. So absolutely. So- yeah. And marketing is like my, you know, I've always been in marketing really. And now in my business, I don't really practice law as such. I see a few initial clients a week and I have my finger on the pulse as to what's going on in my business in terms of what the team are doing, but I'm not the one holding files day to day and I'm working on my business, not in it. You know, I've got lots of friends who are lawyers and they own their own practices or accountants and they're so busy working in their business, they just don't have any freedom. I love working on my business and I love the aspect of teaching people how to leverage themselves so that you're not, you know, stuck. Because We get into business to create freedom for ourselves, yet so often we get more bogged down and work harder than ever. That's it. Carolee, I remember when I was kind of going through the same thing because I'd built this business, but I realized it wasn't really like, and you, you said that you just were struggling to see the vision for your business. And I know that happened to me when I built mine and it was the service-based business. And it was, like I say, it was, it was great. I had the income coming in. I had great clients, but for me, it just wasn't, didn't feel right. Didn't feel like the right fit. And I remember going through a long period, which sounded like you of like, what should I do? Like trying to like journal and think, what do I, what am I best at? What can I like create around that? And it felt so uncomfortable and frustrating and all that type of thing. What is your advice to someone if they're in that spot right now? It is so frustrating and, and uncomfortable. And you know how you can recognize it's happening? You know what I was doing? I was creating a course. So I created a course And I changed the name of my website, like I am not kidding, five times. Like I started focusing in on all of these things that are distracting you and they're not actually getting you ahead. And, you know, I bought a million domain names and like you're you're hunting for the answer in those types of things, but the answer's not there. I've got like 10 Facebook pages of different businesses. I'm exactly the same. I, yeah, yeah. Do not go into my GoDaddy account. It's embarrassing. Um, And if you're looking for a domain name, I probably have it. (laughs) Otherwise I do. So come to one of us. (laughs) Yeah. I think like when you're not in alignment, things just don't flow and you get in your own way because you're making the smallest things a problem. And that's what I was doing. But I knew I wasn't in alignment and I was feeling frustrated like what you said. So what I actually did is I went right back to the basics and went back to all of that very basic personal brand foundational stuff of what are your passions. And because, you know, what your passions are now is different from like 
maybe five years ago, what do people come and ask you about? Look around as to what your actual magic source is and it might not be what you're you have been plugging away at it might be something else and I find it's like what would you do even if you weren't getting paid to do it that's sometimes a helpful one what would you do yeah exactly so what I actually did was write down a positioning statement so I wrote down my positioning statement and I wrote it down so I wrote a list of all of the areas that I love and could teach so everything that I've got experience in things that people ask me about I wrote down all of those topics and for me there's a like a range of things you know so there's a range of things as a lawyer there's a range of things as a business owner there's a range of things in the food side of things so there's lots of different areas but you can't do everything right so I wrote all of these things down and then I started writing like down who do I actually want to serve because in the divorce space I love running my law practice and I love, you know, the business side of my law practice. It's not necessarily that I want to be day in and day out talking about divorce. Do I want to really serve those people? Who is it that you really want to be serving when you're talking about your product business like this sort of thing? So um, I wrote that down and then I just wrote down heaps of positioning statements, like tons of them. And so, for example, I said to you before, Emily, I one of the things is that I know how I've published three books and I've self-published three books and I've got them into distributors and onto actual books. You know, you can go into a bookstore and you can see my book there. So that is something I could teach you to do. And so I wrote like a positioning statement about that. And I also created a lead magnet around it and like kind of just went that next little step and and put a little ad out to see how, you know, how that would go and how it would feel. And it's like, yeah, no, like I could do that. So I wrote a bunch of positioning statements, which is who you serve, how you help them and how that felt. And then just put some lead magnets out there and just kind of went with how did it feel. And I did all this like within, say, two weeks. And yeah, sort of just landed at what felt good. So now I want to ask as we work towards wrapping up, two last questions. Number one is what's the biggest thing you're working on right now in your business? So in my online space business, I'm working on, so I've just done a launch for how to create an unstoppable personal brand. And so that is what I've been working on over the last few months. I've grown a incredible list of like 2,500 women in only like that period of time, which is amazing. I've done a online challenge and have had a whole lot of people in that group and launched my my course, which is how to create an unstoppable brand or unstoppable personal brand. So that's a new niche and it's really like starting a new business, except that you're starting with all this knowledge because you've done all this background work beforehand. And so now I'm just going to refine that and sort of work on that, you know, until the end of the year and then really sort of keep growing that, you know, tribe in terms of surrounding myself around people and women who want to create an an unstoppable business. So working on really, it sounds as though just getting even clearer around the messaging that you're using to align with the people that you want to serve and building the community around it too. Yeah. What is one thing that you wish you knew all those years ago? Let's say when you were just in that optometry business, what do you think 
you wish you knew then that may have just helped you along the way? I wish that I knew that when it comes to just going for it, like there's so many things that hold us back and it's so much of it is our, it's a mental game and it's our self-belief and we get held back for a whole range of reasons like that we're worried about putting content out there, we're worried about putting products out there, we're worried about trying to start something new. We are worried about all sorts of things for all sorts of reasons and none of it is actually a real concern. It's all of us just getting in our own way. So I wish that I had known to just step aside and just go for it. I know, right? A lot more so because, you know, I've spent a lot of time stressing and worrying like when I put my um, online program out around divorce oh what will other lawyers think of that and you know maybe it doesn't come across as like professional and you know like all sorts of worries and silly things and same with like putting a podcast out there what if no one listens to it what if you know I say the wrong thing I wish that I had just told myself to step aside and just follow your dreams and just go for it Oh, I can relate to that so much. Carolee, thank you so much for chatting with me. It's been so much fun. Where can everyone go to follow you, connect with you, all that type of thing? Everyone can find me and connect with me on Instagram at Carolee Fontanelli. So if you just type in Carolee, which is C-A-R-A-L-E-E, I should come up. There's not too many of us, which is great. Uh, CaroleeFontanelli.com or Facebook Carolee Fontanelli. And your podcast? Oh, my podcast. Yes, Being Unstoppable. And Emily is going to be featured on my podcast. So you can go and listen to that one. Ah, oh, great little plug there. Love it. <laughs> oh, thanks, Carolee. Look forward to chatting soon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.